You get this these benchmarks to hit, and that's it. That's it. You don't get to sit down and talk to the patient about diet. You don't get to sit down and talk to the patients about their relationships at home, about work. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Gray Mark Show. We are going to be chatting with Jared Vasquez a little bit later. About uh, we compare the Canadian versus U.S. medical systems a little bit. We talk about Obamacare how much paperwork this poor guy's got to do every day. And, uh, yeah, we, I ran into Jared on Twitter. Seems like a cool cat. He started, like, doing these Periscope videos and these other videos uh, every day. And uh, nice guy, yeah. And he's, I think he's also, like, a ringside octagon doctor. Fun guy. We had him, uh, I, I think he was on Tripoli, and then we had him on, and now I think he'll start doing his round. So hopefully that is the case. And, uh, of course, we got everybody's favorite co-host here, Graham Beefcake Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Good. How you doing? We're in short shorts. Got the shorts on. Yeah, it's finally summer. Short shorts season is here. These aren't short shorts, but short enough. Do you have shorter shorts than that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't. You probably shouldn't be wearing any shorts any shorter than that. You might get charged. <laughs> yeah. That was a good interview with him. Uh, yeah, he's been helping people as well. But, you know, uh, people with uh, trauma and stuff. I think he went on. He had this, like, little $5 donation thing. So... I don't know. I love it when these guys are out there helping, uh, helping people get through their shit. You know, like pro bono, or as least as pro bono as you can. Yeah, and it's good to have a doctor that's interested in all the stuff we talk about as well, because we can talk about a few different things, like the healthcare systems and some of the corruption. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's a part of the community. Hey, we should talk to him see if he wants to be official Grand American doctor. Actually, yeah. we got a couple doctors. Yeah. I don't know if we want an official doctor. No. Maybe we don't, because we got our buddy Mike Hart. Yeah. Over in London. Cannabis doctor, lots of doctors. I, oh yeah, can you imagine doing the list? Is Joseph P. Farrell a doctor? I don't know. And then, oh no, that's Stephen Greer. That was a doctor. Never mind. So how you been? Sunny out? Yeah, pretty good. Summer's here. Yeah, pretty good. I think I'm gonna go for a picnic later down in the river. Nice. Yeah, should be good. Should be good. I'm gonna bust into. Uh, I'm always itching to play this. Which one's out? Get out of pen oh, yeah, you got that. Uh, we finally got our... Uh, what is it? You mid- know what it is. I don't know what it is for sure. some physical mail to the Grand America show at P.O. Box 16033. Next line. 100-815, 17th Avenue, SW. Next line. Calgary, Alberta. Next line. Canada. Next line. T2T space 5H7. That's the PO box. Why don't you send Darren some dirty socks? Well, I have a new quote jingle to play for you, too. Oh, good. So anyway, Midnight Mike had messaged me and asked if we had got the package from OBDM yet. Right. So I just know it's from OBDM. Yeah. Should I give out their big address? Big shout out to those guys, our Big Dumb Mouth. Yeah, our Big Dumb Mouth podcast. So they're on the they're on the radio network too, and yeah, they ch- search them. They're they're pretty good. They're like a mix between like us and No Agenda kind of, but but way funnier. Here you are, sir. You can start unpacking this while I read the note. 
God. There's snacks. Yes. Like Pringles. Pringles. Grimerica. Oh, my God. Thanks for asking us to be a part of your network. We've been slacking <laughs> and had to change show days. Life. In any event, it means a lot to me that you guys interact with us and are cool. Would love to have you both on OBDM sometime. Hope life is treating you well. Treating you both well. Mike, Joe, clown baby. Uh, there's a little picture of a sombrero UFO and a little alien with some like smoke around him. I think the alien's getting high, maybe. Thanks, guys. Means a lot getting these notes. What's the Pigman book? Yeah, it's been awesome getting to know you guys too and being a part of your thing. Hundred percent. Yeah, they got a great show. He was a lot on- of our listeners used to like, like I, mean, I know, failed for sure. They used to rave about uh, OBDM, you know. And Mr. Owl. Yeah. Mr. L. 13 questions. Got some stickers. OBDM was on, or uh, Midnight Mike was on 13 questions. Yeah, great, great right. chat. Yeah. It's uh, got some stickers, obdm.com. It's all happening stickers. <laughs> and some Pringles. Oh, obdmpod.com. You know, it's funny is it's all happening. No, 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 obdmpod.com. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. My reading is pretty good. Oh, look at that time. sticker. That's fantastic. I'm going to put that on my laptop right now. There's a... Are you going to cover it, cover it up later when the a round sticker like with you did like, with your Trump support like, sticker? Uh, <laughs> it's Sasquatch with a heart on, which which he gave us a little plastic. Look at that! It oh. looks like the end of his penis was cut off, though. Did he make this himself? Or? And then uh, it's with UFOs picking them up. That's an awesome sticker. And then there's some other. Wow, they got lots of OBDM swag. Wow, we got to get some, some postcards done. And postcards. Stickers. Oh, they say something. I think there's some chocolate treats, too. They threw a Kit Kat in there just because they probably... Ooh, a magnet. ...knew that I was on a diet. Well, I'm off the diet now, so gained back. I gained all my weight back. Some cards. Some cards. Wow, swag pack. More Kit Kats. Now we got to up them. I know. This is <laughs> quite the... Oh, there's Reese's Pieces, little things in there. See, oh, luckily, God. Graham is off his diet. Yep. Everything is game on. Back up to my... 200 pounds as of this morning. I'm probably losing weight right now. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to have, I'm going to change it up and have a little bit of balance. Around. I'm going to stick to, I'm going to go back to the no wheat and I'm just going to, you know, have the desserts a uh, couple times a week kind of thing. Try and get some balance around that. Instead of just going hardcore. Are you? Hardcore nothing. Yeah. I'm trying to find this. If I could get it over to the. Wow, well, thanks for the swag pack, boys. Check them out at ob obdmpod.com. No, did you mention the book we They're got on too, YouTube. The Pig Man? Yeah, are you going to read it? No, I don't think so. Why not? I don't know, it looks kind of creepy. There's no cash in it. I think it's a, I think it's a pop and Assassin, book. wife and husband, boatman, lover. <laughs> huh. Looks old. Yeah. I, I'll, maybe I'll read it. Looks like a quick read. I mean, you could read this book in a couple of hours. Not willing to give it a couple hours. Guy takes time to mail you this book, and you're just like, nah, not into it. Well, I thought it's probably for you. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'll read it. I'll let you know who it's for. Okay. All right. I got about ten books I'm reading I, for the show right now. <laughs> I like the uh, dinosaur jizz sticker. Diaper boys and jizz wizards. OBDM. We need some more stickers. That's a magnet, isn't it? Or magnet? Yeah. We need. We need some more uh, different stickers. So. What do you got? Well, I don't know. I got a couple quotes. I got an email. I got a, I no got a quotes yet. I'm looking email. for the email. I got an interesting email about uh, 
I won't say who this is from yet, but uh, we were talking about, we were emailing back and forth about UFOs and stuff like that. Did you, uh, so this guy, he spent his childhood sneaking in the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. This is where the Roswell. Uh, that does not seem like a good idea. This is where Roswell was supposed to, wreckage from Roswell was supposed to have gone, right? Uh, obviously, he was a military brat, and he says, "You you want to see weird shit? Go hang out at Huffman Prairie for the night." No UFO people even talk about Huffman Prairie. That's because they've never been on the base. Huffman Prairie is right where the Wright brothers set up the first catapult to launch the first gliders, and that structure is still there. And he says, when he was fourteen, they snuck they snuck in and uh, spent the night there. The significance of that spot cannot be overstated. Modern flight began there. So supposedly we took alien bodies and spaceships to Wright-Patterson, where human flight began. Coincidence? I think not. The museum is full of clues. Anyways, here's a picture of... So he sent a picture. And I was asking him what he thinks... Where is that? Wright-Patterson. Uh, can't remember. Hmm. Arizona? Let's check it out. Well, it must be somewhere near New Mexico. Maybe yeah. we drove right by it. Yeah, maybe. We were close to Dolce, weren't we? No, I know. Yeah. yeah. Dulce. Dulce? Dolce. Dolce Cabana. <laughs> so I asked him what he thinks the sig- significance of that spot is, like portal type thing or what? And he says, he says, uh, he says Huffman Prairie was right where the Wright brothers developed the early gliders they later took to kill Devil Hill. South Carolina. When you stand in the middle of the prairie, if you look north, you will see a squadron of F-16s on standby 24-7 and a fleet of KC-135 super tankers. When you look south, you can see the supposed Hangar 18, when you also see a church steeple around where alien bodies were supposedly buried in unmarked graves. So get so then he gets into some interesting stuff. Also, I wondered, do you know anything about a group of Germans in the 1850s in California fooling around with what later would become the Nazi bell technology? Supposedly, is there, there's a link between them and Nimza. Nimza. So I was thinking about that chat we had with Bosley. Yeah. Bosley. Walter. 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 Yeah. He was on Thirteen Questions too. Also, did you know a paperclip Nazi named Dornberger ended up running Bell helicopters? What the? F- no. and, his, and his protege was Michael Payne. Michael Payne and Ruth Payne gave Lee Harvey a job and a place to stay when they returned from Russia, the USSR. Really? Oh, I don't know, apparently. Well, you know, I guess. Also, did you know that the guy that owned the school book depository was Admiral Byrd's cousin? Where the JFK got shot at him? Yeah. Huh. And his other cousin is a Georgia senator that has a mountain named after him in Antarctica. I mean, you know, these are those weird connections that make you wonder about the deep state, right, and, and our history. Oh yeah, I mean, you know Admiral Byrd going to Antarctica, all that, all that stuff from him and what he said to to reporters in South America. What did he say? Well, he said there's craft back then, which was in the early 1900s, I think, or the 1930s, that can fly like from coast to coast in seconds. I can't remember the exact quote. Like glo- was he to in glo- one? pole to pole, craft that can fly pole to pole. And then they like their their trip got cut short, and they basically got forced back to. Too bad he's dead. Be a great interview. No kidding. So his cousin owned the school book bo- depository, which is really interesting. And then 
you know. His other cousin was a senator. I don't think it was a, a school book and, depository, you know, was it? it? Would he be like, make my cousin senator and I'll, and name a, you know. A mountain, a after, mountain him, after him. And I'll shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. And then uh, he says, used to be you could only get to Huffman Prairie if you had a military ID. Now it's open to the public. And he says, I wonder if that's part of that bullshit TTSA disclosure. On a lighter note, right pat fact... The public road that leads to the base was named after Major Richard Bong. Rich Bong? Dick Bong. Dick Bong. <laughs> the street sign used to read Major Bong Drive. They changed it recently to Bong Street because everyone kept stealing the signs. Ha ha, Dick Bong. LOL. Bong Street's probably a pretty popular sign to get stolen as well. Dick Bong Drive <laughs> instead of Dick Bong Drive. Oh, uh, we should say thanks for the television, eh? Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. A listener of the show, uh, came up, drove up a couple hours south of here, came, drove up Brandon? and dropped off a, uh. Was it Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't know if you want to say who it was, First but names yeah, dropped okay, off a TV, a little flat screen that Darren's actually using. He's got set up right beside his chair right now. A little bit. Precariously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. For it has to be angled big, properly. Big help. Yeah. He drove it up for us. I'm going to go for lunch with him next week. Nice. And uh, yeah, huge thanks. Helps. Money we don't have to spend. We say the show is 100% value for value. So we don't get money for anyone but the listeners. So instead of giving us some money, I think he has a monthly as well. But anyway, he brought us a television, which we can now use instead of buying one um, for the ones of the, to replace one of the ones that I broke during the move. So we're slowly crawling back up to where we were. Yeah, this is the time, man. This is the time where independent media, I think it needs its support more than ever. I mean, this is like we are getting caught in the crossfires, not us personally, but it will happen. But all your favorite independent YouTubers and podcasters are in the crossfire. I mean, if you listen to no, I don't know how much I really buy into this part of it, but I mean, a lot of our listeners listen to the no agenda, but it's kind of like this battle over advertising dollars, like between Google and the well, digital media and, and say, the mainstream media and the, and the papers and stuff where like, you know, you, you can tell that there, there's a lot of this, uh, the dollars that are going to, to Google now. Yeah. Well, forms you, of Google, like YouTube or, you, you know. know, for sure we'd be in way less trouble right now if we are advertise support based and way more concerned. Way more trouble you mean? Probably. I mean, if we you were monetized way less, you on said way less trouble. Oh, way yeah. more. Yeah, way more trouble. Yeah. Like if we were counting on YouTube ad monetization, oh. I mean, you'd never, you never know day to day where you're going to be. Yeah. Um, or so I mean, I, I f go ahead. Any of that ad revenue right now? Any any show that's the least, even if it's not controversial, anything that's based on ad revenue right now is going to be a little bit concerned. Yeah. Because that's what the Maybe not 100%, but that's definitely playing a role in why I think the media at least is pumping it, it up so so uh, aggressively. Yeah. Because the media doesn't want pe anyone advertising on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, for me... It and I still think YouTube shouldn't be ad-based. I think ad-based... Well, your I think solution you should, is pretty cool, actually. I think you should I would rather have that. pay the same way we pay for Libsyn. You should pay, you know, maybe anywhere between, like, 15 and 100 and or I don't know 200 I don't know what depending, the rates well, depending on so there's your, a couple ways depending on how much you, you yeah, upload there's a, there's a couple ways to do it it could be an upload limit so you get so many megabytes or minutes per month and uh, you can do different sliding tiers or maybe um, 
I think that would be the best way and to do it. And that's how YouTube gets it. And that's how it gets its monetization. Yeah, but that doesn't... That so doesn't... A, it would cut down on their cost by probably 70 to 80%. And they'd have guaranteed revenue. Yeah. Because as soon as you flip that switch, uh, a lot of those videos... A lot of people are going to stop going to YouTube. If, yeah, if you can't that's... go for free, you know? Are you going to pay 100 bucks a month to make videos of you sitting in your bath tube playing with Elsa and Anna dolls? No, but that's... It would, that that probably wouldn't be a hundred. That might be fifteen or twenty. But even still, that might be, you know, that um, might be a hard sell. Or at least, I don't know. Because that because that. well that that kind of creeps into that thing is that where free things, you know, you can't trust free shit unless it's a Grimerica show. You can trust it, but you should still support it at grimerica.ca slash support. But in general, when things are free, and this is a problem with, I think, with Twitter, Facebook, all of it, is that the free nature of it, A, brings the, um, uh, I don't think it's as good of an argument for Facebook and Twitter. What they're doing is different. But being on YouTube, having it be added, I mean, YouTube shouldn't be free. I get the ad model and everything else, but I would prefer to see the advertisers completely out of it and have it be like Libsyn is. Well, I mean, the No Agenda guys think it's all about the ad revenue, and I, I don't really agree with that. I think there is a control. There is a, more of a conspiracy around it, and there's a message. Well, never let only, it get... only want... I mean, there's really... They're, they're very inconsistent... But with that their, could be because the left is so good at censorship, at boycotting and phoning. And you know what I mean? It seems like, and I'm not taking a stance here, but it seems like the left is good at calling outrage, people and outra outraging. They're good at outraging. And because on the right, it's not historically, not. the right is more less likely to try and get your rights or your shit taken away than the left is right now anyway yeah but that's that's you're looking at it from a freedom versus a freedom model versus you know like a libertarian almost versus uh socialism type thing when it's it's not it's about the the people that are in charge and their views like now that you know the people that are in control can get yeah, that message and well that's not helpful. so it's not the, yeah, that's it's not, not to me it's not about the the people that are screaming the loudest from below it's it's the it, I can't to me, solve it those problems. Like a, there's a big tech conspiracy over authoritarianism. I mean, when you look at, I could solve the YouTube problem. Though. If you look they at Facebook, Facebook and YouTube and how they were developed with help from the government, like there's there's lots of legitimate uh, evidence that shows this is this is a, there's part of a bigger plan kind yeah, of to control things. That so, could that could well be, but I could fix YouTube. They should give me a call. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of smart people at YouTube that have considered that or brought that up, but. Then, then you they, lose then the clicks. Then you lose the control, the global control. They're they're controlling the message right now. It's getting really, really bad. And this is the time when you, you know people have to start supporting their independent media. Because his crowd like is still on YouTube. He's still on there. He's just not monetized. Yeah, but it's not going to be long before they start. I mean, they you they you know how many videos they've removed? Like nine million a quarter off really? of YouTube. Wow. And that's just they say it's a fraction of one percent of the, are these videos that are the problem. I mean, you saw that whole New York Times article, right? Which was yeah. the, the make, I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Especially so, when he seemed to go left at the end. And they're throwing like, you know, um, what's that guy's name? The news guy, uh, Philip DeFranco in that bunch. Oh, yeah. And Tim Pool and all. I mean, come on. America.ca slash support. Check this out.
profound quote of the week. <laughs> Darren, can you guess it? Sounds like Felix. No, yeah, it's not. Profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? That was sent in nice. by a uh, friend of the show, Will. Will S. Thanks, Will. You'd know him if I said his full name. I don't want to say his full name, but okay. uh, you'd know him. He's been in the community for a while. Yeah. Great new little jingle. Okay, here's the first one. You might be able to get a guess this guy, but I doubt it. I'll try my best. I'll try and pick them that are uh, appropriate to the show that we're you know, introing here. Near-death experiences occur in every part of the world, in the young people and the old. It is critical counter evidence for the old paradigm theory of consciousness. There is no known physiological mechanism that could account for conscious experience in a non-functioning brain. The consciousness that then occurs cannot have been a product of the brain. Rupert Sheldrake. No, close. Um, Damn it. This is one of the guys that when we talk about who we would want to have on, like he's pretty... Pretty high up on that list, Dr. Irvin Laszlo, systems theorist, and he's twice nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Ooh, well, I'm working on Ike. that biocentrism guy. <clears throat> and uh, who else was I? I got another one here, too. Okay. This is good. This is from the Business of Sickness chapter from Charlie Robinson, the octopus of global control. It is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I have reached slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as an editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. Rupert Sheldrake. <laughs> Dr. Marcia Engel, she's a physician. Editor-in-chief of the New England Med... I never really got that. No. You don't have to guess them all. Just, you know. Okay. It's a lot of pressure. I should probably just tell you when... It's a lot of you, pressure. I should probably right. just tell you when you can't. It's too much. So anyway, I shouted out a few times there doing your little spiel, but... GrandAmerica.ca slash support, guys. Really do count on you guys. Um... Uh, support's actually been down for the last month or so, so it'd be nice to see that sort of... Well, I think the PayPal might have been messed up, so if people have tried... Yeah, like, PayPal's have been canceled, they... that's right. I'm going to take a look at that tonight, so I'm going to actually see if there's an update for that script. So if you've tried the PayPal, it's not working, let me know. Um, there's a bunch of other ways, too, but I mean, let us know for sure, Graham at GrahamAmerica.com or Darren at GrahamAmerica.com. It's all on the support page, on the, on the support page, all the different options are there, PayPal, Patreon... Uh, stripe all that but yeah it really does help like i say uh may was a slow month and april is kind of slow too so it's tax season mm -hmm. maybe that's why mm -hmm. maybe somebody's got a refund though i don't know whatever you can do though it really does help head over to grandamerica.ca slash support um and uh hit that support button find a number that works for you sign up for a monthly i actually know i do owe a couple people some custom emails that were the button wasn't working for i'll get those out tonight as well but yeah it, it does help guys and uh it, it really helps us know that you appreciate the value that you're getting from the show exit on plus what did we do like a show a week last week show a day you mean a show a day yeah, yeah. 
pumped out like six shows in seven days. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. That is not bad. All free. Can't do that every no, only no. every six years. This will be three hundred and fifty six free podcasts. So what's the next milestone? Like five hundred, I guess. Sure. All right. Four hundred. Four hundred. Yeah, sure. That's a, that a milestone. It's four hundred. Four twenty. Four twenty. Yeah, that'll yeah. be good. Let's just skip four hundred and go right yeah. to four twenty. We'll skip it. Uh, yeah. Before we wrap it up, we could jump into some like. All right, speaking of the... Oh, actually, let's go to Facebook. Fuck it. Well, what were you, what were you I was going to go to YouTube, but uh, I'll go to this one instead. I'll go to... What advice would you give your younger self? Gloria, get enough sleep, learn about vaccines and GMO glyphosate sprayed foods. <laughs> nice. Catherine Layton, don't vaccinate your kids. 41 likes. Oh, wow. Mm, from Lori, the only thing I've regretted, ever regretted anything was when I ignored that still small voice, aka instinct, and listened to advice of people who supposedly knew better. In short, trust your instincts. Hmm. Caleb Monroe, nothing. Some lessons are best learned the hard way. Uh, Mary Beth, figure out what you want to do with your life. I'm 41 and I still don't know. Uh, Ashley, don't use credit cards. Porter, work smart and forget about harder. Um, be kinder to myself and look up the definition of empath and narcissist. Ruth, trust your gut and always read the ingredient list in everything. Don't believe anything you're taught in public school without researching it for yourself. From Sherry, a retired public school teacher. Uh, Thomas Fritzler, save money whenever you can. Old age creeps up faster than you think. Pat Militech, friend of the show, live a simple life. Says the former UFC heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world. Let's do a conspiracy <laughs> podcast. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Trevor, trust your gut and don't sweat the small stuff. From Kathy, other people's approval is overrated. From Travis, slow down, live in each moment. From Brett, marriage is a work in progress. Don't stop. Take dancing lessons with her. Don't take her for granted. Hold her hand and never let go. Fargo, don't vaccinate you or your children. That was a common answer. Uh, well, there's a lot. There's about there's about ninety eight comments on this. Wow. Stay in school, knucklehead. Don't go to college. <laughs> don't change. Well, you got to change. I don't agree with that one. Uh, well, it depends. Don't change on somebody else's expectations. Yeah, that's right. But you sh you sh don't be afraid to change, I guess. Don't eat so damn much. That's a good one. Get out of town. As I'm ready to eat one of those treats that was just sent to the... Yeah. The Drop oh acid. God, it's all melted. Read more and let it go. Anyway... Yeah. Thanks, There's the buddy. Facebook. There's the socials. 
support the show, grabamerica.ca slash support. Um, yeah, send emails in. We'd like to yeah, hear from spam you. Spam Graham. Graham at grabamerica.com. On Instagram and Darren's on Twitter. That's right. We got the chats, grabamerica.ca yeah, slash chats. It's, I can't keep up in there. You got to get in the chats. You got to support the show. Uh, if you're looking for the links, links to all the stuffs in the show notes, get into the show notes, sign up today. Review the show. You can, you, you know, you could probably do everything in the show notes within like five minutes right now. You just pause. If you're driving, pull over, pause, grab your phone, head over to the support page, sign up for monthly. Even if it's a buck a month, at least you're in the game now. You're started. You got some place to start, a buck a month. Maybe the guy, a buck a month isn't worth it. It's worth it. It's fucking worth yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and then review the show quick. That'll take you two more seconds. And then maybe share it. That's enough for today. Mm-hmm. Sign up for the newsletter. That's a good way to share the show mm-hmm. is just signing people up for the newsletter anonymously. Anyway, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Graham's got a face full of chocolate, so he can't really talk anyway. He's got chocolate on his hands. Pretty soon he's going to have chocolate on his shirt. Uh, enjoy the chat with Jared Vasquez. So tonight we've got the Octagon Doctor with us, Dr. Jared Vasquez. Nice to meet you, Jared. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, guys. I didn't want to do too much of a bio. We can uh, we can talk about that and what, what we're going to be talking about tonight. So, uh, yeah, I've heard you on a couple of shows talking about uh, your your ringside attention and uh, also stuff about the healthcare system. So looking forward to talking about that. We've got lots of... Uh, experience up here with our Canadian one and we hear lots of things down there about the US one so it'll be nice to kind of compare and contrast a little bit as well mm-hmm. so what do you uh, are you are you still uh, helping out the uh, MMA fighters and all that yeah yeah I am doing uh, initially I started in Iowa uh, shout out to Pat Militish and Josh Neer uh, and, um, yeah, just learn the ropes, uh, working with, uh, leagues that are affiliated to the UFC, victory fighting championships, um, PFL, all those leagues up there in the Midwest uh-huh. and, uh, just had a, just had a grand time and had a chance to work with uh, some amazing athletes, had a chance to do vlogs, uh, and, uh, experience. Cause my, my thought process was, Hey, I want to experience what these guys experience to better understand injuries. And, um, you know, went to this, uh, jujitsu gyms, you know, rolled and, and felt, you know, so I had the city squished out of me by, by, uh, farm boy fighters down there and, uh, quickly learned what the toll, uh, you know, what the sport does to the, the fighter's body. And it's, 
it's grueling, but it was a beautiful process. I enjoyed every moment of it. And still to this day, I do work uh, doing fighter physicals, doing fights down here in Florida. So I'm still very, uh, very connected to the community. Nice. And do you still train yourself a little bit or? Yeah. 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 I go to jujitsu once or twice a month. Of yeah. course, I, you know, I'm, I'm working a whole bunch, but it's still, uh, it's still passion. Uh, white belt for life, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I practice with, uh, with greats like Josh Neer, with the Croiler Gracie down in Indiana, uh, Mike Estes. So, um, yeah, I've, uh, I've cut my teeth with some very cool people. Right and on. got to hang out with them. Right on. That's so- great. We, we share a lot of conspiracy love. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan uh, of the podcast, huge fan of, of, of Sam Tripoli's podcast, too. So, yeah, I believe conspiracy theories are, a lot of people see it, as uh, that was one of the first points I wanted to make. A lot of people see it, you know, oh man, this um, conspiracy theories are fringe, people on the fringes and um, extreme thought process. And it's nothing more, the mind recognizes patterns to, you know, ward yourself of risk. Uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theories are just um, a natural part of the brain. You're working out theories because subconsciously you're, always working on your own survival instincts. So you want to gather as much evidence as possible. And that's a a healthy way of thinking, right? The scientific method tells you, you know, if you want to do a um, scientific, you know, test, you have two hypotheses. You you have to have a bag for, yes, this is how it goes. And you also have to have a bag for, no, that's not how it goes. I was completely wrong. So if you apply that to any thought process, any, any type of conspiracy theory, it makes sense to research and learn about everything. Yeah, that's what we, we just like to have interesting conversations and we don't have the answers here. And we, we address some conspiracy theories for sure, just like tinfoil hat and those guys. But um, yeah, we recognize the patterns and some of it's hard to ignore and it's good to talk about it and, and flush it out a little bit. You know, it's uh, when you start realizing that, yeah, we have been lied to about certain things. It's uh, like, like you say, you start to, uh, looking for patterns and then you start realizing, oh man, it's happening all over the place. And then you kind of end up going down the rabbit hole, but we, we try not to get into the extreme, extreme ones. Like you mentioned, you know, we stay pretty, stay pretty real here. Yeah. That's always good. That's always good. But it's a, it's a healthy way of thinking. Um, you know, the, when somebody comes to you with a piece of information and they're so solid and vehemently defending it without giving space, or different thought, you know, that person is full of BS and it's not to be trusted, right? Yeah. Because a true scientific man, you know, you see Graham Hancock all the time, you know, when he's talking about a theory, he always leaves that sliver of space that, you know, they could be wrong, but this is, hey, this is what I think is right. So if somebody doesn't tell you, hey, this could be wrong, right? When I talk about, you know, vaccines and stuff and people bring their concerns to me, I can't just pull up one uh, scientific study and say, hey, this is absolute proof that X and Y and Z. I can say, hey, this could be the benefit. This could be, you know, there's no biological free lunch. There's always side effects to everything. So you just have to educate openly. Yeah. That's uh, that's a big, you know, part of the message. Well, that's a great example. I mean, I was going to bring it up, but I didn't want to because it's so polarizing. But that's the one where, you know, you're talking about leaving 
leaving a little bit open for discussion. And there's some topics that they don't even want to talk about. They won't even debate. They won't. The science is settled, and the science isn't really very often settled. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Let's see. If I'm talking, I'm an internal medicine physician. That's my bread and butter. Chronic conditions, cardiac conditions, pulmonary uh, health maintenance, uh, health screening, all that stuff. But when I'm talking about, um, you know, if I tell a patient that's a diabetic, you absolutely cannot eat cake. And it, you cannot eat delicious cake. You will never eat cake. And if you eat cake, you know, you're going to be out of my practice. If I see you, what's the human instinct? Oh, forget this doctor. I'm going to eat cake. I want to eat cake. So you, you want to negotiate. You want to be flexible. You want to have a relationship. You want to have a conversation like this with patients or with somebody that you're trying to explain something. Uh, open conversation is the best way to share ideas. Yeah, you bet. You bet. So how long have you been a doctor in the States then? You, you, were, you were in Puerto Rico. You went to an American school in Puerto Rico. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've been in the States and you're practicing in the States now, realizing uh, all the all the constraints that you have to deal with there. And maybe talk a little bit about the differences of stuff you've learned uh, while you've been in, in also um, mission missionary in, health, in, in Mexico and working in the States and Puerto mm-hmm. Rico. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, a vast um, landscape uh, of, of differences. Like they're different worlds. I mean, you cross over on that uh, south um, border and it is medical is a different world, right? You, I had the same preconceptions. Uh, you know, I traveled to Mexico as a, you know, as a twenty, how old? Are we, a twenty-three year old from Puerto Rico. I mean, we are a U.S. Uh, U.S. territory, so we are U.S. citizens. They traveled there with the same, you know, we're fed the same um, cultural um, nuances about different races and about different places in the world. So I was flying in there expecting to see, you know, tumbleweed and cacti and all these poverty. But, you know, I, I uh, landed in Guadalajara, Mexico, and it was this rich, rich cultural city with uh, European uh, influence and with so much to give to, to a student. It's, it, it's an amazing experience like this. But at the same time, you drive 10 miles and you're in absolute poverty and you are uh, experiencing, you know, indigenous cultures and, and um, usage of psychedelics by these indigenous cultures, you're learning shamanic medicine and learning how to understand and respect that. Because when you're experiencing that culture, um, teachers there, physicians that are are guiding you through these uh, experiences, they're teaching you this. And this is not taught in the states. You know, you um, you're never going to see a, um, a te- uh, teaching space for saying, hey, you know, these this group of people are using peyote for their, um, you know, um, when, when um, teenagers are, are going out rite of passage to being an adult and they're getting those pe- peyote um, uh, induced uh, hallucinogenic states and then they cross over a big celebration. So you would never be able to respect that and observe that um, neutrally and, and you know, respect the, the way that that culture uh, handles that process of turning from a kid to a man and, uh, yeah, we need a little bit of that. We need a little bit of understanding for the nuances of, of different populations. I think uh, in the West that that that's a really we've really fucked up that process of kids becoming uh, men specifically. I mean, that's one I have experience with. I'm a man, um, but you know, there's sort of there seems to be an initiation in a lot of the hunter gatherer 
and the uh and even uh you know just the the it seems like the older the culture the more traditional the culture the more um there seems to be that initiation into manhood whether it's you know go out in the bush for a little while or go on a walkabout or go hunt by yourself or whatever i mean i guess in today's culture i suppose the bar mitzvahs and things like that are sort of along those lines but outside of those religious ones i don't think there's much and that's where i often say that's where kids are turning into gangs and and things like that for that for that fulfillment whether it's a video game or a gang or a, or a whatever yeah, there's a, a bit of an identity crisis that, that you don't know. You really don't know. It's that gray zone. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I was 17, 16, and three years are so quick. Three years ago by flying. So, so one minute you're 17 and you're still eating, you know, toaster strudel. And the next minute you're 21 and you're supposed to make life-changing decisions and you're still a kid. So there's no, no like a black and white way um, and there's people that prepare their kids, you know, granted, that's, that's that space of different thought. Yeah, there's families that are really adept in training their offspring. And so, hey, you know, the, this threshold, you're a man, this is what you do. But most, most people, it's just comfort. It's just comfort, 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 comfort. And yeah, oh, now you're an awkward 25-year-old that doesn't know what the hell to do, you know, in the next 25 years of their life. So, yeah, it's something that we're missing. So you mentioned the shamanic traditions and, and some of the the healing that happens there. And that was valuable to your process and it doesn't really happen in the, in the Western thing. So would that include stuff like uh, placebo and intentions? And I mean, we we're just talking yeah. about our, actually about that with our last guest. So does that, do you have room, room for that kind of more spiritual stuff in your practice as well? Like if you know, people are on a negative, a negative kind of track, I mean, is there stuff that you can do to help them with their peace, with their state of being as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about perception of information. I've had, um, I have, I try to have, I, I, first of all, I go into an exam room. Um, I dress well, dress like doctor. I, I look the part, uh, and I have conversations with them. I'm not near the computer. I'm never near a computer. I'm not typing. I'm looking you straight in the eye and having a direct conversation with you as a patient. That in itself, that small decision yeah. gives a, a different tone to the encounter. And yeah. then you, you, you compare and contrast and you respect. You know, I, I have a lot of contact with, you know, like in Florida, I'm practicing in Florida. So there's people, there's a ton of people from Russia. There's a ton of people from Venezuela. There's a ton of people from um, Brazil, uh, from Puerto Rico, from the Dominican Republic. All these cultures have all these, all the a uh, little bit of a uh, not shamanic, but more of a folk medicine. Mm. So you have to know it. You have to study it. You have to, to see, uh, you know, um, a, a Russian man that's in pain. Um, you know, they tend to be stoic. So you, you know, you really have to focus on the on the physical exam and and making him feel reassured that it's okay to accept pain. But a, a person from another culture. It's going to be different. Um, let's say uh, you have uh, uh, Middle Eastern cultures. Um, you know, the, the, the man is a very strong, potent force, and you have to have a different approach to their female, kind of their wives. So you have to learn to adapt and respect. When, you, when they see that from a physician, there is a process of kind of uh, easing into the encounter and letting go. Like, okay, this guy is a real doctor. It's cool. Let's exchange information. And just the, the current um, 
landscape of medicine, it's pressuring us into not doing that, right? The Affordable Care Act and the adoption of electronic health records, it pushes you, your keyboards here all the time. Okay, uh, where you came, what do you came, uh, came in here for? Um, they want you to evaluate things. I'm gonna give you this example, right? They want you to evaluate seven or eight you know, um, aspects of whatever visit. Let's say you come in uh, with an ankle pain. This is the way it's supposed to go. Okay, you're in here for an ankle pain, just an ankle pain. If you need to talk about something else, uh, we can schedule another visit. When did it start? It start Tuesday. How does the pain look like? Or how does it feel like? It's burning. Scale from one to 10. This much. Um, um, moderate, uh, moderate, uh, mild, or severe. Okay. And you're going through these kind of checklists, very mechanical checklists. And at the end, you make your decision making and you send them off, right? In a perfect world, in a perfect mechanical world, that's how an efficient encounter is supposed to happen. Not like, hey, good afternoon, I'm your doctor. Let's, let's talk about what's going on here. Talk, tell me in your words. If I say that, that puts me behind. And that pushes me to, okay, I'm going to be behind in my, in my, in my documenting, in my and your, and analysis. Yeah. Yeah, my sense, not analysis per se, but it's almost like you stop being a physician and now you're a secretary. Now you're a census employee taking um, demographic uh, data and, and health data and inputting its data entry pretty much. So they took out that, the, the cool part about the connection about being a physician. They stripped it away. It's like close-up magic. Nobody, nobody has seen it happen. People feel, oh man, doctors suck lately. These doctors, man, they don't care. But it, it, it was, there was a genesis and there was a start to it. So it was all this changing to electronic health records. How long has that been now? Oh, it's, uh, it's been like that since 2009. 2009. It's a tough one so, because, I mean, it is, it is obviously beneficial if you have that information in a database. And when, I mean, we've got, uh, we go to the doctor here so many times and to have to try and, you know, you have to repeat yourself to the doctor a million times to different doctors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm assuming that the digital records would help in that way where they get transferred all over to all, you know, you, they get pulled up by the specialists when they see you and hopefully they get pulled up. But I can see what you mean about losing the connection with the patient. Like there's got to be, you know, a better way. Yeah. Like, well, I've heard it described yeah. as like the, the, the federal government trying to take away sort of the, the, even a erode the 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 doctor patient confidentiality sort of and sort of take that relationship away and make it sort of like the government and the... do, do we yeah have to... yeah you're go ahead you're absolutely right yeah you're absolutely right uh, more than uh, the doctor patient confidentiality I think it's more of uh, kind of directing the the feel of the encounter and and. Uh, pushing um, the um, vector, the intensity of the vector or, or the direction of medicine um, to value-based, right? It's not, it's not comfort. It's not, hey, this doctor knows me. I'm having a, a good relationship. He's going to know me. He's going he's gonna to know my kids. And probably I'm going to be able to grow old and 
And this relationship will get easier because that's the way it was before, right? Yeah. There's a doctor in town, a couple doctors in town, you know, and it was, there was healthy competition, right? If you're, if you're a, a shitty doctor, pardon my language, if you're, if you're a bad doctor and you're in town and there's a doctor that's really good, you're going to get um, more patients and you're, you know, you're going to be able to thrive and you're going to have, you know, great relationships with your patient and be able to get them to their health goals. But now it's more of, oh, are you a doctor that can save the system health, sorry, save the system money and get these metrics, all these checks and balances taken care of? Well, then you get more pop population uh, shunted to you and you handle more cases. So it's a value-based instead of quality-based. So, uh, right? so it's more statistical gathering now. And, and do you think that the, the genesis of this, like you're talking about in 2009, was was you know this data is getting you know your name's getting stripped away from it like i've heard you explain before and it is getting sold mm -hmm. to certain to certain companies yeah. and all that but is, would you think that the genesis of that was for efficiency or was it for always for data for selling that data for for compiling it and selling it and using that that data or or is That's it just for or is the intention more pure that like we need to start utilizing electronics so we can manage patients better <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think it was more uh, a little bit of both, you know, a little bit of a, hey, let's uh, structure this because if the goal of, uh, you know, the politic party that was, um, and I'm neutral, you know, I'm, I'm a person that's, not, I'm, a, I'm a, in the physician party, in the health party, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but the, the political party that was in power at the moment, you know, they were always building up to single payer and uh, government run uh, healthcare. Um, as you know, in, completely, in, completely, uh, and um, it made sense for that to be one of the steps towards it because you're mandating electronic health records, so everybody has to be on some sort of electronic health records, or you do not get reimbursed. Right? Oh, okay. They got, they had some they had some uh, some bonuses for adopting it early, um, so they a uh, ton of companies went into the mix. And made a whole bunch of money. A whole bunch of tech companies made a killing off of this. All this money that belonged to patients and belonged to uh, you know physicians uh, and people that work in the in the in true healthcare uh, got shunted away to the electronic sector. So you saw this new character enter the clinic, enter the hospital as the IT manager and the IT person. It took a huge central role in hospitals and clinics all across America. And there was a huge exodus of uh, old physicians that, and it was, you know, for physicians are old, are very, very valuable, right? You, you know, if oh, you're a physician, experience, imagine the experience. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's a, so in, in a little, it's, it's almost like erasing the memory and, and getting, and getting the, the, because these doctors have character. Yeah, I remember doctors in the 80s and 90s. There were, were characters, you know, most of them had bow ties. That's why I like rocking a bow tie or a tie and getting, you know, having a nice jacket on because it, it, it gave you a presence. It gave you a, a feel. What, guess what happened when it's okay? It's 20-something electronic health records have to be started and everybody has to be changed over and it's the law. We had a massive exodus, almost like, you know, the, you know, like um, when you see those, uh, the movies, the uh, extinction movies, and you see the, all the, the, the elephants and the mammoths just going to be to the tar pits to die. So a lot of physicians that were close to retirement age, but 
could have had, you know, a good three to more five years helping us younger physicians transition and getting their knowledge. And they got kind of swiftly um, put out to the pasture to retire. We lost a lot of our older, more experienced base. Was it their choice or was it what they pushed out? Or a bit of yeah, both? No, a little bit of both. Imagine you're, you know, it's not rare. To I can imagine doctor. the learning curve. I mean, it would be frustrating mm-hmm. going from a paper and, a, and a, a system you've been using for 30 years to having to plug stuff into a laptop that's in between you and a patient. I mean. Correct. Correct. Massive, massive exodus of physicians. Um, I was in a practice in Iowa and there was two, um, two fantastic doctors, one internal medicine like me and one family practice. And they were very eager. They're like, yeah, we're going to give it our best shot um, a weekend, two weeks in. And they were, they were having the worst time, the worst time. All the joy got sucked out of their, of their faces. And they just, you know, we, we began, we began seeing all this retirement parties in different practices around, uh, around the state. And it's like, Oh, you're getting RSVP for Dr. So-and-so's um, <laughs> retirement party. I'm like, what's Another happening? One. Yeah. You know, falling off like, like leaves. It's, it's wild. So this was the setup in, in 2009 to, so everything yeah. went electronic, like get on the electronic records. And this seemed to be the right, a step in the right direction for, um, for the government to go to something more like single payer. And then oh, when did Obamacare start up? Oh man, like, I think, tw- like twenty, I think it was uh, twenty twelve or twenty thirteen or something like that, or twenty third. I believe it was twenty thirteen. So and electronic. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm mistaken. EHR electronic health records on Obamacare is around twenty thirteen. Yeah. Okay, so it was the same thing. Was that the same yeah, thing yeah. then? Oh, okay, okay. I, I'm stuck. I mistook the dates. That's okay. Um, so that came around the same time then. Okay, that makes sense. That's kind of what I thought. But um, so that was so then. So then describe some of the other failings maybe of, of that besides the electronic part. Like how, what do you think of the system after traveling around and seeing other systems as well? I mean, what, how is that system performing now? Do you think? Uh, I think it's, it's, they, I mean, a big thing that is celebrated. It's like, okay, um, 20 million more people got coverage and are insured. Right. But you can say you're insured well, you're most definitely not covered. Now, let me bring you back to a case of a diabetic patient. You're a diabetic patient, and uh, you are having a um, you're under Obamacare. You have the, you have your plan, um, you know, mid tier mid tier plan. You go to your internal medicine physician, and uh, you got to go to the formulary. Now, as a doctor, I'm like, okay, I got Mister, you know, Juan Gonzalez, Latino you know, 45 years of age, um, what can I prescribe? You cannot get the best insulin. You cannot have the best medication covered. You're covered with basic medication. So you are, you have a plan that's, mm, I wouldn't say mediocre because in some instances, there's a good, there's a good part, you know, cancer patients um, are covered uh, and there's um, uh, kids and, and different uh, severe illnesses that are that are covered, and that there's people getting a good benefit from it. But for most people, it's not. So you're working with a plan that is not covering that saving. That's trying to save money and go to value based because the way private insurances survive under the ACA is providing 
value-based care. So it's providing health. You're getting paid more for just keeping everybody at bay, right? How old are you guys? 48. You don't mind me. 48, and 48. Darren's 37? 38. 38. Let's say, let's say you're, you're 48. So what's, what's the target? I got to check <laughs> if you have diabetes. I got to check if you have cholesterol. And I have to ask you, hey, have, have you had a family member that has cancer? And in the colon, uh, maybe we, we have to bump it, uh, the colonoscopy to check for colon cancer 10 years earlier. So you get this, these benchmarks to hit, and that's it. That said, you don't get to sit down and talk to the patient about diet. You don't get to sit down and talk to the patients about their relationships at home, about work, Stress. about, you know, it's exactly, exactly. And then it, it puts you in, in front of the patient's eyes. Oh, this doctor's not good. So then you, there's no attachment to the doctor. And if there's no attachment to the doctor, a health system can get rid of that doctor like that. Well, here we got, here we got the problem more is like my doctor's seeing so many patients in a day that we lose all that. Like you gotta go see, yeah. I mean, it took my wife years and, and, you know, dozens of visits to the doctor to finally get the diagnosis, you know, that to get the right test at the right time. And, you know, cause he's just, he's not paying attention. He's a nice guy, but he's just, you know, you walk into his office and there's the waiting rooms crammed all the time. And he's, you know, he's probably seeing a hundred people a day. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's incredibly, incredibly wild because all this stuff, us, you know, I, I graduated, um, from med school almost, you know, almost going into 11 years. So when I went through classes, that's not what it was being Thought. I was I was being showed the right way of medicine. I trained. I, I had a benefit of training with this generation that retired. Oh. Those were, those were my mentors. I was still getting grinded down, and I was still having that beautiful, you know, masochistic relationship with my mentors of being forty eight hours in the hospital, hating it but loving it at the same time. Um, but kids now going up in the system. I have a, a brother in med school uh, right now. And uh, he's just, he's just, you know, 12 hour shifts, more focused on computers. Uh, he's getting taught how to chart, you know, and it's, it pisses me off because I'm like, man, I'm going to grow old and these are the people that are going to be taking care of me. And it, it scares the crap out of me. We should all be scared. Isn't the, uh, the, the rates going up as well for, for the a ACA as well? I mean, isn't it harder to, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it uh, hard, harder for people to afford it as well? Yeah, yeah. What happened is, you know, middle class America, The I think one of the promises was that your premium was going to go down. Um, uh, premium for an average family of, of four people, you know, um, you know wife, uh, husband, two kids. Uh, it went up about uh, $1,500 a year plus um, the, the not, not the co-pays. Uh, but the deductibles went went up too, so that didn't that nobody takes that into account. Nobody takes that into account. So that deductible is the money that you have to pay out of pocket before yeah. the before the insurance takes over. Yeah. So most of those deductibles went up maybe forty forty five percent. So you're having to cover five five grand plus pay around. So uh, average family is paying 
more money for health insurance that they pay in mortgage and car. So it's also almost like they're paying a second mortgage and a second car just by insurance alone. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's tough that's, to factor in where the the Canadian system is a sliding scale. So it's all based on income. I think they say it's somewhere between like 25 and 40% of our tax money goes into the healthcare system. Exactly. Yeah, About we 25 have- to 40. Yeah. And we're taxed to the health. I mean, you know, 45% before, before all the other taxes, there's just the, all the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's working out to, I mean, I would say on average that would put the average Canadian out would be able to would be able to, if they had that money in their pocket, they could they'd probably have about a thousand bucks a month to put into their health plan. Exactly, and it's uh, for me, um, it's it's a no brainer. We help, we already have a single payer system. It's called Medicaid and Medicare, right? So if you live under the poverty line, you have a single payer system, which is the government paying for your for your health, uh, but what this—it's that push to make middle-class America pay more. And if you don't have a plan, you have to pay a fee. So that kind of takes away your freedom. So if you're a young guy um, and you're making a little bit—if you're a young, successful guy uh, that's making good money—you're um, going to have to pay fees. You're going to have to say, "Okay, let me pay a fee or not have a plan." Uh, and it's it's, a, it's just a huge it's just a huge huge mess, right? If you left the free market for the middle class and the people that you know can afford it, just let it be, let it play out, let it happen. And you already have two single payer systems. Plus, you have three because we have the VA. The VA is a government run plan for veterans and their families. So they uh, politicians just this narrative like no we need a single payer system it's like wait wait a minute we have three of those already in place what are you talking about oh, that's but they're not say that in the news yeah doesn't it make sense we already have three of those yeah yeah what yeah, do you like, think no- about the government stepping in on health decisions like that I mean the other big hot item right now is vaccines and you got a bunch of states that are getting ready to I mean if not mandate them for school you've got states that are actually talking about just mandating vaccines period like we're coming to your house we're giving you your shots or you know they haven't said what but that's 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 uh yeah that's a that's a tough that's a tough sell um it's just when when people you know talk cause patients ask me they're like what's your opinion and I'm like you know I'm not going to get a lot into it but this is my line it's like Tell me a uh, something. Uh, tell me an institution that's run by the government that is amazing and perfect. <laughs> and why do you want them to run your healthcare? Just tell them. You in this campaign run in the next uh, year or so. Um, whenever uh, there's you know from every party, you know from the Republican Party, from the Democrat Party, show me a doctor next to one of those people that's touting. Uh, these big changes is Medicare for all. Show me a doctor that's that they have like, hey, I'm here with Dr. So-and-so that sees patients that's not retired or lobbies. And he's going to talk to you about how cool it is. You're not going to see that. You're not going to see that. So how many people that that have, let's say, let's say a regular job that's decent paying, let's say. Do they do they also have their own insurance through their company as well then and then they then they don't so they don't have to have the ACA 
Um, or, they, so or, is it, happens, or is it both kind of like because here here like we have some extra insurance through our work usually people would opt into that as well which helps with some some other costs and stuff like that that i guess isn't covered by our our, our well, federal dental's the big one dental yeah, right dental, yeah dental, dental so, pharmacy right yeah yeah pharmacy and then like you know massages and stuff like there's also also uh, actually some naturopathic stuff in there. Like there's some there's some really beneficial uses as well for for that uh, extra insurance, and I think it tops off some other stuff in the system as well. Like maybe ambulance stuff or uh, ambulances. Or like, yeah, you know, if you lose an arm, maybe that kind of thing. Yeah, it's for for um, the ACA and big companies. What happened is that um, sometimes it's cheaper for them. So this is this was all I you know enter enter a conspiracy here. Um, it's cheaper for a company to say okay I'm gonna go go ahead and pay the two thousand um, dollar you know fee that I have to pay for not providing insurance for my patient and I'll let them go into the ACA. Walmart's a big huge employer, millions oh. of people in the United States. So they're like oh it's cheaper for us to pay that fee. Oh wow, so it's awesome for. So that would be that would be a great uh, a thing for in for them because they're a huge. But let's say I have a wait. Say that okay, again. Have, so so is the Walmart fee the same as a single person's fee would be because a corporation is same as a person? Yeah, I'm, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's less than paying for insurance for a whole year for a patient, and that was before <laughs> let's say in the eighties and nineties. And uh, and back back when uh, health insurance started with Kaiser Permanente uh, creating their own hospital and their own clinics and having their own contracted doctors, um, it was for that same reason. You have a company, you're an entrepreneur, and you need to take care of your people. And that was one of the bonus things of working for certain companies. Like, oh, that's cool. They'll 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 pay for my healthcare. That's awesome. Let, let's work for this company. But now, you know, with the increasing costs in healthcare and the inflation and all that stuff. It makes sense that they're like, okay, wait a minute. We want to, you know, save a little bit of money, and let's maybe pay the um, not the fee. What's the other word I'm looking for? The um, the the money that you have to pay for not having your employee in in, in insurance, and then like a penalty, just, like the penalty. Yes, yes, the penalty, the penalty. Sorry, guys. It's, you know, no. at this point, I, my neurons are. <laughs> <laughs> After seeing a bunch of pages, my nerves are a little, little flat. But yes, so it's sometimes it's cheaper to pay that fee than to pay for the insurance. So wow, it's um, it's something that people don't think about. But it's if you're a economical mind and you're trying to figure out why uh, it makes sense, it makes sense. If you have three pizza parlors and you have less than fifty employees, then shit, you better pay your, you better pay, you better pay your insurances, or because the fees are going to be a lot of money for you. So it's it's built for small industry, small local businesses. So it's to, forcing small businesses to pay for other people's health care. Exactly. Instead of the government one. paying for it with the trillion, you know, whatever trillions of dollars are taken in a year in taxes. Because, I mean, I think that's the big argument is if you're going to take all this money and waste it on bombs for fake fucking wars and everything else. Ooh. I mean, I'm not saying fake wars like people aren't dying. People are really dying just all the shit behind them and that starting them is all bullshit. Um, you know, you're spending all that money. How much of that could be dialed back and, and just, you know, I think that's the big argument is why don't you just take that money and pay for our healthcare? 
That's kind of what Canada but, does, I guess. Yeah, right? but, then, Instead of but then we an have army. our own challenges. I mean, that's well, the we problem. Like, we, don't have the, we don't have the right system either, necessarily. I mean, people go down to the States to get real but good, I mean, high-tech procedures that's done. The I have a friend that, that her mom has moved to Prague because the healthcare is not doing anything for her here in Canada. Mexico's so, a big one, too. People you know, go to... Uh, I've heard a lot of people going to Tijuana to deal with Lyme disease and stuff like that. Yeah, so then, then, then we have uh, and dentistry like, wait, in Mexico like, too. Like my girlfriend hurt her shoulder again, and she can't get into an MRI, so it took her a few weeks at least to figure out what it was. And then she got her ultrasound. It took a few weeks to get that. Then she had to wait two months to get a doctor's appointment to review the ultrasound. She snuck in by because she had a migraine, so she had to see them somewhere else and ended up getting a double visit, like getting her shoulder looked at as well. Mm -hmm. Now she's got a six-month wait for an MRI. Like, it's just, it's impossible to heal or to get, or to get, like, to get any kind of progress or diagnosis on, I mean, and that's just with a, a physical injury that's easy to diagnose. Try diagnosing migraine problems or try diagnosing uh, autoimmune problems or the stuff like that Darren's wife had. I mean, it's impossible to get anywhere in the system. So, you know, yeah, it's comforting to know that you can just go to the hospital and you don't get a bill for like breaking an well, arm that's the or thing, I know Ryan, yourself or whatever. Like Ryan like, got a bill for 10 grand for his little visit to the emergency room and he spent the night. So, so there's, so th it's like an opposite thing. Like. It's nice to have that comfort level, but any kind of like long-term thing is a nightmare. And yeah. people go down there, people go down there to get some real, real good high-tech, high-tech things. And a friend of mine got a, an electronic, uh, like a bioelectric plate, plates put in her back to help with chronic, oh, the, chronic pain. Uh, yeah. I uh, mean, the, you know, nerve stimulators. Yeah. So there's a. Uh, but that can't be done in Canada. How'd I mean, you pay for that then? Though? That must just that was expensive. Nothing. But oh, you know what? Geez. They they gave her a quote, and they refunded her. I think they gave her a quote, and she had to do a down payment of like fifty thousand or a hundred thousand. Oh. But they gave her afterwards. They said, "Okay, we've tallied it all up, and you get like a refund of forty grand or fifty grand or whatever, because it didn't end up being as much as they thought it was." Hmm. So People that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, you see how, how um, by putting electronic health records on all that stuff, it forced mergers from hospital. I mean, if you have, you know, where I, I, I lived in a small town in, in Iowa, Marshalltown, Iowa, and there's a small hospital, but it ran really good. It's, it, made, it made good money, and uh, it, it was kind of a legacy hospital, old doctors, old personnel. It was amazing, um, and there was a wealth of everything, you know, um, the friendliest ER, it didn't look, you didn't have that feeling of scarcity when, when you go to a hospital in New York or in a big city that it just looks grimy. It was beautiful. Come, come in, um, electronic health records, all money was misspent. It was a nightmare. What happens? One month, one year later, hospital goes under and a big company sweeps in, buys merger, and now it's part of it. Wow. So it's, uh, place. Yeah. So yeah, that, so see, that's what's so weird. Like, so the hospital's bought and it's part of like a, so sooner or later, like you're going to have like three big companies that own all the hospitals in America. I mean. So the movement was towards, towards, um, so the, the party that was in control at the moment of ACA, at the moment of EHR, um, was the party was doing, that was going, you know, the Democrat party that was going towards that. Okay. And so every move was, it's, they're playing a chess game. They're not playing. You know, they're not playing checkers, they're playing chess. So the move was, okay, let's 
what moves, what strategic moves can be made so this kind of rolls out smoothly. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you're playing chess, you're tricking the players with moves. And when that big checkmate comes in, you're not expecting it. And you don't have any counter moves. So that's the same thing that, that happened kind of the health system. You know, it's consolidation and salination. You know, there's a couple of wrenches that thankfully have been thrown in into those gears and we're, you know, we're in the, in the, in the trenches right now, but uh, yeah, it's going to, it's going to take a lot of brave people and, and a lot of uh, cool uh, new uh, ways of thinking uh, and doctors are just being outspoken um, for that to change. So luckily I think we're at that, we're at that tipping point where, where we have a lot of voices. So I'm very happy. Oh, that's good. So what, what kind of system would you like being in the trenches and being in that? And you've heard a little bit of some stories from our, our healthcare up here. What would you, what would you prefer then? So it would be, would it be single pair? Like you said, the three layers of single pair that you already have. And then, and then a, uh, a free market in the, in the middle there. Yeah. I would say, you know, I have a, you know, I have a great idea. Um, you, we already have those, uh, three single payers. I mean, VA, the VA is completely owned by the state. So it's, it looks more like the UK, the system in the UK, um, Medicaid and Medicare will look like what, what you guys have in, uh, in Canada, uh, for, uh, to some degree. So what I would say is, you know, instead of allowing, you know, it's the big mergers have happened already, you know, that there's no stopping that. And we have to learn to live with that. Um, but what I would say, you know, work on, owning on the government owning um public hospitals have a place where young physicians graduate and say hey you know you have this burden of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt that's gonna be you know at a three percent interest rate you're gonna be you know half a million in debt in 10 years and you're gonna be paying you know um 30 or 40 percent of your wages but people are people are still gonna be thinking that you're driving a maserati and that you're wealthy and that you got big pharma in your pocket so these narratives are are put there in place and people have no trust in you you're overwhelmed by the system Uh, instead of that have public hospitals young physicians graduate they you work you give them an incentive and pay that loan and you have a recent graduate that has all the fresh knowledge that has all the chops and all the intensity to start working hard and that hardware in that, you know, that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That, uh, that structure of a public hospital, public clinic health system. And you have people exclusively going there. Uh, the people that usually have Medicare, Medicaid, they have their own um, uh, accessible uh, place to go, uh, primary healthcare um, clinics, hospitals. So it's its own thing. And it's ran by the youngest the most energetic doctors in the system. Of course, you're going to have older doctors in there uh, and make it easier for them. You know, have a reduced form of uh, electronic health records, uh, work on not making them, because when you make electronic health records uh, mandatory, what what incentive is there to the programmers and the Silicon Valley uh, bros to make that product really effective and really streamlined? If it's you, your hospitals are. Oh, that's um, a good point. You have to get it. You have to get it. There's no point. And let's say you're a you're a small hospital. You're you know like 250 bed hospital. You're looking at millions a year, and you adopted a system. Let's say you adopted XXY uh, electronic health records. 
you've updated that that 20 times. You put so much money on it. You double down on it. You, you can't say, okay, to hell with this. Let me try another one, like a lighter version. No, you're in deep. If you don't like that, then you know, sell, merge with another, another health system that has another electronic health record. So if you don't make them mandatory, it leaves room for innovation. You can innovate and you can, um, you can see this electronic, these companies start to really compete to have a really comfortable, cool project because they don't really care. They don't really care. They just want to make a system that gathers more data, more clicks. Count the clicks. It takes you from, I'm seeing, I'm seeing Darren. Um, he has, you know, shoulder pain. You know how many, it's 30 or 40 click. Look. No way. 30 or 40 clicks to get to his prescription one. Really? Okay. Click, click the name, click problem, click, um, shoulder pain, click nine out of 10, click, 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 click. So all those clicks, uh, it paid off. It paid, it paid off. I have this prop right here. Uh, All those clicks to get to giving you, um, celecoxib or meloxicam or whatever anti-inflammatory I'm going to give you. Let's say I'm going to do an MRI. So it's all these clicks. I'm not looking at you while I'm doing those clicks because I want to be, I, I want to do, click the right boxes. I don't want to commit medical mistakes because you know what? If I make medical mistakes, I don't get paid for the thing I did. I click the wrong box. I don't get paid. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, it should be, you'd think it'd be under voice recognition. You could just say what you want to do and the thing would fill it out for you. You could repeat back what, what he's saying and it could just tell that that's what you want to do and make it more, you know, invisible in the background, just capturing that information. I mean, we have the technology to do all that. I mean, they're gathering the data anyways. Yeah, I mean, but there's systems, I mean, you can click in the, you can click in the HPI, the history of person illness and, and there's dragon um, there's still called dragon. You talk, blah, 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 blah. It dictates, but Medicare and Medicaid want, they don't want that story. They don't want that story. They want problem intensity, chronicity, modifying factors, associated yeah. symptoms in that order. Yeah. So when they go in and they say, let me, you know, let me do a, uh, um, check these doctor's records to see, oh, well, that doesn't <laughs> thing. Let's do you know, let's go in and revise all his records and see, you know, if that doctor can get, you know, reimbursed or not. So there's a, there's, there's a lot on the line for um, exact, you know, for exact documentation, robotic, yeah. Um, yeah. black and white, you know. Yeah. So how do you control the, you know, everything that the government, like you, you, I mean, you even quoted that yourself. Like you tell me something that the government owns or an organization, the government that's uh, pristine and, and perfect. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it grows and grows and grows till it just seems to collapse. So how would you keep these, these government hospitals under control? And then how, how also, what, who, who visits that? So it's the Medicaid, Medicare, and VA that would visit that? Or what about all the, what about the people that, um, in the middle there that, that are now affected by the ACA? Like, where, would they go to that as well? Yeah, it's, um, uh, there's a whole bunch of people that went to the ACA, for example, the big companies that rolled that simply, so there was a million people that lost their insurance when the ACA rolled in, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't get repeated enough. A million people, middle-class people that just lost their insurance, you know, you're paying a thousand more dollars or 500 more dollars a month. It's a big deal. If 
you have a, a two kid family and you're a mid middle class uh, person. So, but I would say you need to revamp, you know, instead of trying to, you know, when you see a delicious burger, you take it one bite at a time. You don't stuff it in your mouth because you're, you know, you're going to fix it and die. So if you try to control all of healthcare, I mean, it's going to be impossible. It's an impossible unless you, first of all, you're not going to be able to pay enough physicians the right amount of money to run it. So you're going to have to come up with, I don't know, some sort of alternative maybe for physicians and maybe you could afford it. Um, but, um, uh, revamp the system that you already have that triple single payer system that we have VA, Medicare, Medicaid, revamp it, uh, invest in it, uh, make it, you know, um, make it attractive for young doctors to participate in it, increase their participation. I mean, you have residencies, training doctors that see patients, increase the number of residencies. We have a doctor shortage instead of, uh, in, instead of, um, you know, uh, promoting the online diploma mill mid-levels, you know, I love nurse practitioners and PAs, but there are, uh, you know, in a scrupulous companies that are, you know, uh, cranking out, you know, online programs um, to have mid-levels. You know, I wish I had nurses. I don't anymore. I have medical assistants because nurses, it's the, it's the, pro, it, you know, it's too attractive for them. Like what? I can see, I don't blame them. What? I can see patients like a doctor with two more years of training. I could prescribe. That's a dream. That's a dream. I would take that. I would take that option if I'm a nurse. But that leaves me without properly trained personnel to help me with the patients that I'm seeing. Right? And I have great MAs in my clinic because I know how to pick and choose. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. Puerto Rican nurses and MAs. They are the best, um, but it's it's wild, right? It's a substitution, and there's a a, a kind of a designed um, system to make doctors less appealing, and people are losing the trust in them. So it's a uh, it's a big mess. Just just improve what you improve what we already have: Medicare, Med Medicaid, and VA. Improve, invest in that. You know, huh. what's the number one health problem in the country? Diabetes and hypertension, chronic illness, health literacy, those things. What do you think is causing that? Is it is it is like diet the number one problem? Do you think or glyphosate and or stuff is, like that? Or I've had patients ask me about glyphosate. <laughs> it's a Google Google does that to to patients. Yeah, I would say <laughs> it's a living conditions uh, environment. I'm a big proponent of uh, environment uh, being. Um, the driving force behind disease process. You know, I've lived in Mexico. I've seen people live a certain way. They get a different subset of diseases. I've, uh, you know, lived in Puerto Rico. Uh, so I've seen, you know, disease. Um, we uh, live on a, in Puerto Rico on a starchy diet. So it's rice, fried plantain, very low quality protein. So we see a lot of diabetes, hypertension, salty foods. Um, you live in a country, you go to a country that uh, poverty and, uh, and food, uh, there's a scarce food, food supply like Venezuela or right now when you see vitamin deficiencies, you see, um, you know, um, failure to thrive in kids, um, poor development and 
Uh, you go to Mexico, you go to different places, you go to the Midwest, there's a, there's a wealth of, um, there's a, a wealth of resources and, and you see, uh, you know, strong people like Pat Miletic, shout out to Pat Miletic. Um, I know he's a friend of the show, I think, right? Yep. Yep. So, and so, so different places harbor different living conditions and different uh, environments that lead to different disease process and lead to different necessities of healthcare, right? You're not gonna need the same system in Florida, and uh, Tatooine, as I call it lovingly, uh, than in California, than in San Diego, than in Utah. It's very different. So if you're pushing, like, if you're pushing that, that cog of, you know, everybody the same, everybody the same, everybody the same, it doesn't work. Right. You no, know? different living conditions, different living conditions, different necessities. You know, it's, um, we need more, uh, smaller, um, you know, smaller clinics, some um, market competition. Uh, it's healthy. It's healthy. You know, what if I want to open a clinic and say, you know what, I want to open a clinic and I want to see patients for $25, $30, not off of insurance, off of insurance, you know, most medication for healthy people, um, for normal conditions. You know, you can get in through um, through a good RX and different uh, uh, smaller uh, smaller pharmacies for you know a good price, a good smart price. So, so you can go completely off insurances and say, hey, let's. There's a, a new movement called direct primary care, um, where patients are going directly to your physician, and you're paying a subscription mode, and you just sit down with your doc, and you can sit down for, with your doc for for half an hour, no problem. Team, whatever you want, team through telemedicine through an app, uh, and have have that way. If but without competition, if we if we go the route of you know the automaton, the, a robot, you know everybody's the same, everybody's the same system, and, and it's government control, you lose that. Yeah, that's that makes sense. But would you lose your practice for doing something like that? Yeah, everybody loses their practice. I mean, everything's going to be. If we go to a single payer, um, the government can pick which doctors are going to get paid, period, period. So could that be a backdoor approach to like uh, vaccine agenda? Could be. It could be. I can't say no to that. Most definitely. It could be a backdoor to many things. It could be a backdoor to, hey, this is the medication you're going to get. This is how much you're going to pay for it. Um, you know, it's going to be the same price for everything, which all oh, that works really great, right? You, if you want to buy Ezekiel bread, which is an awesome bread, it's expensive as all hell, but you want it, you work hard for it, you deserve it, right? Who am I to tell you? No, 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 Dan, you're going to, you're going to get wonder hold. bread instead. You're just going to eat, um, Ocasio-Cortez bread. Um, and, uh, it's delicious and you, that's your bread. Make sandwiches with it. So, who am I to say that? Right? What are we going to do? That the commodities are the individual chooses. How? What are you going to buy? What are you going to consume? I thought really healthcare should be like that. You know, it should be affordable. But we are the ones, the physicians, with the license number, putting the you know treating the patients. We should be able to say, hey, you know, let's uh, let's have a price point. Let's have doctors that have affordable offices. There's always going to be hodgepodge doctors that are concierge doctors that are private 
home visit doctors. Those are the doctors that see the politicians. They're not going to a, a you know a clinic that sees mainly a, a ACA patients or Medicaid. They're not going to the VA. You think you think Joe Biden's going to the VA? No, he's going to a concierge doctor. The doctor's driving to his home. You know, he's getting the the most expensive prescription because they they have this buying power because they're a people in power and they can afford it. Right? He probably but has a doctor that doesn't mind being grabbed around the shoulders. <laughs> likes back rubs. <laughs> he likes back rubs and hugs. A little bit of this, you know. Right. Get, get in there, go. get in there, grind it out. Work those thumbs. I but think yeah, we're going to be uh, okay there. I think everybody's making fun of Joe Biden at this point. So I, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. He's already come clean about I, it. So, so, so how I, I got a question that's about sort of the scientific evidence and and how you guys how you guys in the in the medical community in the in the in the mainstream Western medical community keep up on on new science with health and, and wellness. Like, for example, I mean, you know, saturated fats were demonized when I was growing up. I mean, bacon was going to cause, uh, you know, heart disease and cholesterol numbers are all, see and the measurements all seem to be off. I mean, you know, these diets, keto versus vegan now. And how, I mean, how do you, I mean, it seems like there's, everybody's arguing that science is on their side, but I mean, I grew up where, you Everyone know, just sugar tells was me good the science fat is settled. Was, sugar was good and fat was bad. I mean, it's and it's all flipped on its end right now. You know, I mean, everything goes through a good and a bad phase with the with these studies that aren't real real studies. I mean, how do you guys keep up to date on on that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's a uh, um, you know con medical education, uh, continued medical education. Uh, a way that I personally uh, keep up and grow with it is uh, making content. You know, I have a, a page in Facebook called Rice and Beans Doctors, where I explain medicine really, in really simple terms. So the time that I don't have to spend with, with patients in the room, I go ahead and explain the things in the videos and edit the videos. I add a little bit of humor. So by doing that, I educate myself because, okay, I'm going to do a lupus video. Next week is lupus uh, awareness uh, week. So I'll make a video about lupus. So I'll be forced to sit down and read. But that's dying. Because we're spending um, the same amount of time we spend with patients with electronic health records. So patient, uh, physicians are coming, to, coming home around 7. You know, you're out of the office at 5, 5.30 if you, don't see, if you don't see patients in the hospital. And around 7, you sit down and you chart. And you get on that computer and you slave away until 9, 10. And you, what do you want to do after that? You want to rest? You want to be with your family? Uh, if you have a family or you want to, you know, go out and have fun, whatever you do. So you don't have time for medical education. So it's, uh, it's, it's in dire necessity. We're in dire necessity, in dire need of revamping that whole system so we can be freed up to do what we like to do, to be able to educate ourselves, uh, be powerhouses and be deciding factors uh, in healthcare, be the engine behind healthcare. And education is a big part of that. And if we're spending so much time clicking away and being census gatherers, when, when is our time to... When is our time to really dig in and, and educate ourselves? Yeah, or even on the medication that you prescribe. I mean, there's a whole bunch of side effects. I mean, there's uh, there's some crazy stuff that, uh, you know, I mean, and I, I liked how you did talk about that on another show as well, that the, perce the perception of doctors being just pill pushers and all that is not, you know, you would think that's not correct, but it's hard to 
discount the pressure that it seems like. I mean, even we go to doctors here even, and it's not as bad in Canada, but I mean, I feel like I'm always getting pressured and questioned why I'm not on anything. And like, they look at you more like, oh, you're not on anything? Well, I got to say, I tried to get the dentist to give me Percocets yesterday and he said no. Jesus Christ. You got your tooth pulled, you just asked for Percocets and they wouldn't like, do it. I just have a Percocet or two, get me through the night. They said I couldn't smoke any weed for a couple of days. Oh, that might be good for so you. So I was like, well, could I, what? Well, you were looking for that, you were looking for that, you know, Graham's, that, Graham's that time. Dr. That Mike Hart would be unimpressed with your stance on marijuana. No, you got to take a break every once in a while and sober up. Then weren't you going to try that anyway? So now this can, your, this, this can be your, you know, leg into that. Joey Diaz. Yeah. You know, get one of those Joey Diaz chocolate death stars. You'll be fine. There we go. Yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. But, but, you know, a lot of people don't know that we practice medicine. You know, we have a license that's um, given to us uh, by each state. Um, they have their different requirements for your license. Uh, and uh, you, you have to go to different a set of tests. Uh, and then to keep that license active, you have to, have some educational, um, some educational credits to uh, every every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, we are, um, we practice health by guidelines. I mean, the guidelines to give you an example: diabetes. You know, I know I've I've, I've talked a lot about diabetes. So diabetes. The American College of Endocrinology has a set of guidelines. The American Diabetic Association has a set of guidelines, and we have to practice within that those guidelines. Right, a uh, sugar of you know 126 and above it gives you diagnosis. Uh, A1C above 6.5, uh, glycosylated hemoglobin gives you the diagnosis. Those are the guidelines. You can treat with this, this, and this. Now, if you stray from those guidelines, you are liable legally to the patient because you strayed away from the guideline. Let's say the patient tells me, um, doctor, you know, I just want to go. Uh, a, bad, a really uncontrolled patient, right? Say 12 of A1C, you know, 350 uh, milligrams per deciliter of sugar, super uncontrolled. You know, definitely have to do some insulin work and some oral medication work, but, you know, I can accept some alternative medicine on the side with it too. Um, but if I stray away from those guidelines and I document all that stuff, you know, I'm liable. Yeah, definitely liable. They're like, no, you're you're uh, you're practicing outside the scope of your license. Right? In fact, if, if there's a patient, Darren wants to go to acupuncture for some pain or you know X or Y C problem, document that, and if I go outside the guidelines of the societies, you know, I'm liable to lose my license. So it's 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 all very control, and, and patients are not aware of these things. They'll they'll, they'll tell you. I get you know all the time. I'll. I'll probably get comments on this podcast too, saying that you know this doctor's full of shit. Um, he has pharma in his pocket. I'm like, where the hell's that money? Where the hell? Because I want to buy a new car. You know, I don't know where that pressure is. You know, we know you're so, clean because you made those comments about vaccines. So if you were if you were in pharma's pocket, you would have been like, Darren. Vaccines are 100 percent safe and effective. Go get your three MMR shots because yeah. three is okay too. If you don't know if you got the second one, go get the third one. <laughs> I was, I was in. Uh, I had, uh, I was years ago. I was in a in a podcast in a paranormal podcast uh, when I was in med school. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jim Harold. Yeah, yeah, we met him once at a conference. Yeah, I was. 
We've had him on the show. I was in one of his uh, podcasts, um, Campfire, I think it's called yeah. Campfire. Yeah. Detailing, Campfire you know. Stories, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm vaccinated for everything, but still, you got uh, pretty strong, strong case of, um, you know, chicken pox and had a, a ND, a near death experience. Uh, and I kind of narrated that, that stuff. So you got to be open. You got to be open to everything as a physician. You got to listen to your, to your patients. Um, you got to research what they want to hear. If you come in and tell me, hey, hey Dr. Vasquez, I want to take this herb. My approach is, okay, tell me the name. I'm going to go read up on it tonight. And next time we talk, let's see how we can fit this into your, to your plan because you have your health. You're your owner of your body. That's you know? great. Like, oh, that's awesome. You know, you're the owner of this body and you're traveling through time. Like Joe Rogan says, and this, and this, you know, earth ball, you know, that dirt ball that's floating or, you know, floating around uh, a nuclear explosion in the sun. So you, you have, you have the power. You, you, it's a right. It's respectful for of me to you to understand what you want to do with your body and give you a little bit of what I have. I'm like, Hey, Darren, this is cool. I have this too. Let's put it together. Let's see what happens. Let's take this journey together. That's what medicine is. That's great. Then so, we'll eat some mushrooms. So you had an NDE you're saying? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I you did. Maybe quickly describe that before we go, if you don't mind. If- my, my goodness, you know, I make this every time a patient codes, uh, you know, you guys know what the code is, you know, going, going flatline and dying. Code blue and code. I've yeah. worked in a lot code of hospitals, blue. so I hear blue. it all the time. My goodness. Yeah. Every time I ask the patients, what did you see? And they, they get flabbergasted. They're like, oh, you're asking me? Well, this is what I saw. Uh, I get kids, you know, uh, people that are older um cancer patients stuff there's a common theme you know before death comes you're seeing you know kids in the icu you know so that's a nurses in the icu that are listening now they'll know they're like oh yeah kids uh sick patients uh patients in in death store talking about uh, little kids and laughing and running around so that's a common thing uh not scary at all by the way not scary at all most scary at all or creepy uh but my nde i was um I lived in a public housing project, so I lived below, below, below. You, if you imagine poverty line, now dig like 500 meters below. So I lived in, in extreme poverty in Puerto Rico, on the south side of Puerto Rico, uh, public housing project La Ceiba, actually, um, government housing. I got sick. Of course, my, my family was very low, um, very low income. I had uh, chicken pox. So I had this huge, huge fever. I was very dehydrated. You know, my mom, my parents were young. My dad was a paramedic, but my yeah, my mom's pretty young. So I was probably super dehydrated and probably pushing the low, you know, this information I know now as a doctor, right? Remembering the the situation and being, oh, this is probably this and this was probably happening. So I just go into this kind of hazy dreamlike state where I don't know if I'm awake or if I'm asleep. I, I, I stopped feeling the being, you know, when you're in the bed, you know, you're grounded, right? You know, you're above, you're on solid earth. So I just felt that I was lifted and I just felt everything kind of spinning um, super quickly. So I felt that, you know, whatever was below me, the bed was just gone. It was such a speed. Like I felt rotational, almost like a rotational force. And I just started hearing like an unintelligible 
voices, almost like a like a like um, Asian, like an Asian language. Have you, have you guys heard uh, when uh, in some Jet Li's movie? I think it's uh, he's fighting with Donnie Yen, but just like not a harpsichord, but like a a weird hum and people screaming but this weird language and uh that went on for a couple minutes and then it just felt peaceful i felt like i was floating in the middle of the lake and boom went to black woke up the next morning uh super dehydrated went to pee i peed black uh and uh, at the moment as a kid i didn't understand what that meant right as an adult and as a physician, I'm like, oh, that's called acute tubular necrosis. So my blood pressure dropped so low that my kidneys lost perfusion. So my kidneys were, get, were not getting blood. So I was probably very, very near to... Uh, not coming back. Exactly. And it was... But it's an it's a undescribable piece, what you feel. So it's weird, you know? Wow. So the, you didn't meet anybody that said, you're not ready for this. Like you got to go back, that kind of thing. No, so I didn't understand. It was this weird. And I understood. And I said, even as a kid, I understood that. That sounds like, you know, because there's a Chinese community in Puerto Rico and there's a couple of Japanese uh, communities and, and you, you understand what that language uh, feels like, but it was something similar, but very different at the same time. Uh, it was so, Mongolian. So it, yeah. Some weird like that, and then that it's almost like very tumultuous, very tumultuous, very very um uh, stressful. But then it just like boom, almost like a sudden complete and utter peace. Wow. Yeah, and then I, you know, I uh, woke up the next morning. Wow. Drank some water. Yeah, it, hopefully. Jesus Christ! Did I just thirsty? At the worst cotton mouth ever um, <laughs> and drink a whole bunch of water. I made a full recovery uh, and uh, I'm here to tell the story, but it was, I think he wrote it in one of his books, campfire stories by the campfire. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Right, right on. on. Well, we're going to have to add you to our, uh, our health board here in Grand America. We got you and Dr. Mike Hart so far. And uh, actually, we'll throw, Dr. A lot more now if you we'll throw Dr. Rick Strassman on there, yeah. the DMT doc. Yeah. We're going to have, we'll have a great time. When the world ends, we'll all meet up. I got okay. you, boys. You know, I, I'm getting the seats now. I was listening, I was, you know, taking notes on, on the previous, uh, uh, you know, um, transmission that you guys were making. Uh, and uh, we'll get the seats. We'll meet up somewhere in the middle and we'll start it over. Right I like on. Sandpoint. South side of the bridge in Sandpoint. That's the unofficial meeting spot for after the apocalypse currently. But uh, we could always change it up. Awesome. I'm on board. I'm on board to set up that new medical staff. That's right. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Maybe you could be the Surgeon General. Yeah. I got it. I got it, boys. I'm ready for I'm ready for it. Right on. Hope you got everything out that you wanted to talk about. Where can our listeners yeah, track a, you down? Uh, absolutely. I mean, on Twitter... I'm uh, under at Dr. Jared. That's at D-R-Y-A-R-E-D. Uh, Dr. Jared with a Y and a D at the end. It was a cool name before Jared from Subway messed it up. So um, one of these days we're gonna have I'm gonna have words with that with that Jared. 
Uh, on Instagram, I'm under Octagon Doctor. Facebook, I'm under Octagon Doctor too. And Facebook, I have a cool page uh, that I started, like I told you guys, uh, with a blog. In it's in English and Spanish both. We uh, and we explain explain med uh, medical uh, terms, and we take. Uh, um, you know, you can go and say, "Hey, uh, doc, make a video about high blood pressure." You know, in a simple way to understand, we'll do it. It's called uh, rice and beans doctors, alluding to the folk, you know folk food in Puerto Rico. Um, really poor people. That's our um, staple food. You know, rice and beans. So on the rice and beans docs on on Facebook. So Dr. Jared in Twitter, um, rice and beans doctors in Facebook, Octagon Doctor. Uh, and Instagram as well. People don't don't be shy if you have a question about health. Um, you know, contact me. Contact me. I uh, when um, Brody Stevens uh, passed away, um, you know, from suicide earlier this month. Um, we did. We had a five dollar telemedicine clinic um, month in his name, and it was a, a huge success. Okay. We um, we were able to reach a whole bunch of people for five bucks a pop uh in telemedicine a lot of them i saw them for free as well and we were able to get good health for them you know antidepressant medication in some cases that wasn't necessary in other cases just a um you know an ear that could you know listen to their problems so pretty happy about that we're going to do it every march uh and hopefully next year in march we're able to kind of roll back and and do an episode here in gramerica and um be able to put it out there and uh, get more people uh treatment it's not about money. It's about making connections and, and uh, about healthcare. Right on. That sounds awesome. Sounds great. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jared. It's been a blast. Awesome. Thank you guys. And uh, we'll catch up on Twitter and come back anytime. Awesome, brother. You guys take thanks, care. Buddy. Thanks, right man. Right on. Okay. Have a good night. Goodbye. Now is our chat with... Uh, Dr. Jared, what'd you think, buddy? Yeah, it was fan that was good. Yeah. That was a fun one, yeah, eh? It was interesting. Yeah, I like getting a perspe perspe perspective blah, 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 from a doctor in the States. Yeah, it's kind of last minute. We didn't yeah. know really what we're getting into. Turns out great guest. Yep. Great guy. We had another doctor for our uh, board of directors of medicine, Great America one day. Yeah, it's good to see the other side and all that uh, perception of people, the doctors in there just pushing pills and driving Lamborghinis and stuff, like all the all the TV shows. Seems that's to be right. that's what that's what's causing that perception, maybe, and the media. I guess I don't know. TV shows, yeah. the TV shows. I don't watch a lot of TV shows, but I don't know. I assume doctors in the states are all rich. Apparently not. I mean, you got a quarter of a million in debt. Yeah, there is that. that I knew it's a while. I know in Canada it was a bigger problem. Was like if we lose a lot of doctors to the states. I thought because they could go make more money with private practices. Yeah, yeah, that's another challenge. Huh? Anyhow, what are you going to do? Live in a shoe. I don't know. I wonder what the best system would be, really. I wonder what the best system in the world is. The best idea is to have a doctor in your family. Like, you just have Uncle Dr. Joe that you could just go see any doctors. Yeah. Skip the line, get some prescriptions when you need them. You should be a doctor. We'll send you to medical school. How much is it? <laughs> 200000 Never mind. Can't <laughs> afford it. You'd be a witch doctor. Anyway, big thanks, Jared, for coming on the show. Check out his stuff. Uh, check out his social media. 
Uh, check out grammerica.ca slash support guys and do sign up for monthly if you don't mind our supporters are fantastic you get access to a little extra content when you do and you also get to uh, support the podcast and help us keep doing these chats and stay uh, affiliate free sponsor free free all that ad corporate free. influence ad free uh, this thing is bugging me get rid of that um, ad free what else free everything's free everything's free but uh, we do still have bills to pay, and we appreciate that you guys help us out with those. So yeah. go slash support if you want to uh, be one of the coolest people on the planet. GoAmerica.ca slash support. Uh, because what else you got, buddy? That's about it. Yep, that's about it. We'd like to uh, thank all you guys for listening to the podcast. Do all the stuff in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
Tell them Felix sent you.